Matthew 21, 28 to 32. What do you think? This is Jesus speaking. There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? Jesus asked, and he says, the first, they answered. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John, that's John the Baptist, came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did, and even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Three points, as usual. The way prepared, the blessing received, and the kingdom entered. So it would have been all on the screen, but you'll just have to imagine it and focus on me instead of the screen. Just by way of introduction, to give you a context of of what we've read, this is the day after. You remember after Jesus entered Jerusalem on the donkey. Do you remember? He's he's coming into Jerusalem on a donkey uh, and... uh, gets off the donkey, he goes into the temple, he throws out all those who are buying and selling there, and uh, he overturns the tables of the money changers, and those who are selling doves of sacrifice, saying, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. And Jesus then healed the blind and the lame who came to him. And when the chief priests and the religious people of the day saw the wonderful things that Jesus did and heard the children calling out, Hosanna to the son of David, the Bible tells us they were indignant. I mean, Jesus didn't, he wasn't very PC, was he? He didn't come in and say, well, I I would like you not to do that. I'd like you to move that table because really this is my father's house and it shouldn't be done here. He just bowls in and kicks him out. It's quite violent. It's quite vigorous. And and do you think people will get upset? I wonder if God walked in here one Sunday morning and just said, Jesus just came to visit and said, that's rubbish, and just cleared a load of it out and said, that's not how I want you to do it. Do you think we'd get upset? Some of you. I think we'd all get a bit upset because we'd be affronted. We don't like being confronted by things. We don't like having to face things. We don't like being challenged by things. Do we? You're a bit passive this morning. Do we? Who likes to be challenged, Mike? Do you like to be challenged? You know, just a little area of your life I need to speak to you about. No, no, it's just... Right. We all want to be blessed, but how many of us want to be challenged? Jesus came and challenged the system. He challenged them in the temple. He's upsetting the religious people and the leaders. And, and then he's healing the sick and, 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 and making the lame walk and blind eyes see. And it's this incongruous thing of, of a violent con- confrontation with religiosity and yet grace, grace, grace to the poor and needy, those who are desperate, those who need healing. And it's, it's this, this two things, this love and yet aggressive confrontation. And Jesus does that a lot. He does that a lot. So the, it's, we're told after, after he'd done all that, the religious people are indignant. Jesus goes off to a town called Bethany for the night and sleeps there. And then comes back into the temple courts the next day. You can imagine, Jesus is gone and they're relieved. 
And the next day, he's back again. You had those moments, you think, oh, they're back. Do you, do you ever do that? I hope they'd gone. I hope it was just a one-off. They're back. He's back again. And part of the dialogue that we've just read is what, is, is what happens during that day. So you've got to understand the context of that. And he's, he's talking now primarily in what we read to the religious leaders. And he tells the story, this story, it's my first point, the way I prepared. He tells this short story of a man with two sons. It seems quite a, an insignificant story, really, yet the application is huge. I guess it could be summed up in the phrase, actions speak louder than words. Who's heard of that said before? Actions speak louder than words. As soon as I sat down to prepare this and read the story, I immediately thought of what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21 to 27. I'm going to read it to you. Again, this is not nice. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. That's really helpful. That's a challenge. And he goes on, therefore... Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who says these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. You know, if we want to enter into, into the all God has for us in his kingdom, we need to obey him and put his words into practice. Words are cheap. Actions speak louder than words. The two sons in the story, Jesus told, were both asked to go and work in the vineyard with their father. One, very quick to answer correctly. Yeah, I'll go. He wants his father's approval. He wants to appear a good guy. He may have meant to go. We don't know. It's just a story. He could have been full of, could have been full of good intentions, and yet in the end he did not go, as he'd been asked. How many of us are full of good intentions? Yeah? We, we do New Year's resolutions. Well, I don't do them anymore, but, right, yeah, it's going to be different this year, and it's not. How, how many of us can respond in a meeting when, when the preacher stirs up the pot and you're stirred and go, yeah, that's me. How, how many of you do that? Say, yeah, whatever it, yeah. And yet somehow you know you never follow through. Ever been there? I certainly have. Many, many, many times. I think it was that sort of guy. I, I don't know, just a story. But the other son's different. He's very honest in this response. He's not obviously worried about approval. No, I won't go and serve in your vineyard, Father. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? Well, at least it's clear. Maybe he did have other things on, other priorities. Maybe he just struggled with obedience. Do you ever find your first response when somebody says something, like me saying to Paul, Paul, go and do so-and-so. There's something in you rises and say, um, no. 
or if you can prove it's right or demonstrate to me why or sorry I'm just not saying you behave like that but we all have that thing in, don't, don't we we like to stamp our foot and say no I'll choose thank you how many suffer from that syndrome it's called sin he's like that this guy and yet we're told he changed his mind he thought about what his father had asked he realized that it was important to serve his father and so he changed his plans and served as requested now what has that story got to do with what Jesus says now what, what's it got to do with my heading which is the way prepared well at the end of this, this little story Jesus asked the religious types who were listening which of the two sons did what the father wanted and the answer of course came back the son who actually went and worked in the vineyard then Jesus says truly I tell you the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you for John the Baptist came to you to show you the way of righteousness and you did not believe him but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did even after you saw this you, you did not repent and believe him see John the Baptist came to prepare the way for Jesus he came bringing a message of the need to repent of sin and be baptized as an outward sign of repentance of turning away from our sin in Luke 3, 3-4 to we're told he came into the, all the country about Jordan preaching the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins as it is written in the words of Isaiah the prophet saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare ye the way of the Lord make his path straight preparing the way for Jesus also in Matthew 3 we're told in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the desert of Judea and saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand so how did people cooperate with John in preparing the way for Jesus well they confessed their sins and were baptized They didn't know they were preparing the way for Jesus, but this was John's role. We little understand the role of John the Baptist. Particularly today, he, he came showing the way forward. As John preached, thousands came under conviction of sin, and it was sin that had to be faced. He was creating the right environment for Jesus to operate in. He was preparing the way. Just as sin in people's lives and in a nation opens up, even prepares the way for the devil and all the demons of hell to come and spoil and destroy individuals and society, so facing sin, recognizing it and repenting of it prepares the way for a mighty move of God. How many of you want to see revival in our nation? How many of us want to see millions of people born again? I mean, that's what I live for what I live for, it's what I give my life for everything else is secondary to this one thing for the glory of Jesus, to see men and women born again they don't get born again suddenly 
There is a growing convection. If you look at the history of revivals, if you look at Wesley Whitfield and all the things that changed, Booth and others who changed this nation, you'll find the one thing that's in common is there was a huge conviction of sin. An awareness, I, I need to get clean. I need to be right on the inside. I don't need to just add God to my life. I need to get right. I need to get rid of this so I can be right with God. Absolutely essential. And this is what John the Baptist is coming and he's setting the scene and people as he preaches are coming under huge conviction of sin. And, and as an outward act of demonstration, I'm turning away from this. I don't want it. They were being baptized in their thousands. He was preparing people for Jesus by helping them recognize their sin, repent of their sin, and then be baptized as a public testimony that they were turning from their sinful ways and back to God. And then Jesus comes. Jesus, in his sinlessness, in his perfection, comes into that environment. And John sees him and says, look, the Lamb of God who will take away the sin of the world. But Jesus comes into this ministry of John, into this time of recognition of sin and repentance. And it's not the religious types. They're thinking, we don't need to do that, thank you. We're okay. We, we don't need to get wet. I mean, you know, we're holy. But the people who were in the mire, in the mess of life, they're repenting in their thousands, and Jesus came. He had no personal sin to repent of, but he got baptized as well to fulfill all righteousness, to say, I'm fully identified with humanity, and to set a way forward for all of us. As we repent of our sin. He was demonstrating the route into the kingdom of God. Come this way. Jesus came for sinners. Jesus came for the broken, the damaged, the hurting and the lost. He didn't come for seemingly holy people. In fact, you know, he called them whitewashed tombs. That's offensive again, do you think? It seems to do very well being offensive. I wonder if we've ever stood on the, had a Bible study on, on the offensiveness of Jesus. Because we always talk about how much he loves us, but actually he was totally offensive. Especially to the religious people, the holy people, the worshippers. He's offensive. Whitewashed tombs. What's a whitewashed tomb? Well, a tomb is just a grave. And on the inside of a tomb is death and decay. No life. And you can paint it any color you like. And whitewashed says, isn't it pretty? But on the inside is still death and decay. No life. Wow. Wow. move on to the blessing received and so the way forward is clear the way is prepared the route into the kingdom of heaven has been made clear it's the same for everyone and it starts with a recognition of personal sin jesus says to us in john 10 10 the thief that's the devil satan comes only to steal kill and destroy i says jesus have come that they or you may have life and have it to the full so if you want how many people want life to the full good 
Some of you clearly don't, but no answer to that. No answer to that at all. Life to the full. Life that's meant to be. Life that's fulfilling. Life, life full of meaning. Life full, full of, of integrity. Life, wow, do you mean that sort of life where you make a difference? We need, if we want that, we need to come to Jesus. And we do that following the route he laid down in the Gospels. We face our sin. We repent of it. We choose to turn away from it, putting our trust and faith in Jesus. And the Bible says, as we do that, we are to get baptized in water. Baptism is for everyone who would know the life that only Jesus can bring. Baptism is important. It's not like an optional extra. We add to the thing. Well, I might... Now, I don't want to sound rigid because God loves us and deals with us in different ways because of our backgrounds. You see, I grew up in the Salvation Army and so much good about the Salvation Army, but they don't baptize in water. I made my promise, stand before God, standing under under a Salvation Army flag. You think, that's weird. Well, it wasn't to me at the time. (laughs) Okay? And it was genuine and it was real. But nevertheless, uh, when I got to the age of 27, both and, and Jean was 28, we, we both got to that place where we started being involved in this church plant in Milton Keynes where we said, you know what, we have to obey. There's a route that God lays down and we need to be baptized in water. It's simple obedience. It's not about feeling. It's not about thinking, I think it's the right time. It's a command. It's like, if I would know this, I must do this. It's very straightforward and so both Jean and I got baptized with about 11 people that day and some of the people being baptized were convicts from prison who were out with their warder. You know, it was, it was, it was one of those times. And it was, it was, you need, I've told you before, I hate water and I was last in line and I, I nearly hit the guy. I panicked so much, but I did it. The point is this, I did it. I got baptized in water as an act of obedience, not because I felt the spiritual moment. I worry about us needing spiritual moments to feel that it's the moment for me. No, the Bible says it's the moment for you now, if you will repent. If you, if you want to know everything God's got for you, repent of your sin, turn away from it, get baptized. Simple. And yeah, sure, this, we're all on a different journey because of our backgrounds and everything. But the, the principles haven't changed and the route hasn't changed. The normal route people take into the kingdom is a route that requires obedience. I want to quote again from Acts 2 as I did last week. In Acts 2, the Holy Spirit's been poured out on the disciples. They're all filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Peter preaches this very powerful sermon in the power of the Holy Spirit. And by the end, we're told that all those listening are cut to the heart. They're convicted of their sin. Interesting that. They're there thinking, oh, we are wrong with God. We are sinners. We need to get right with God. That's the first response to this this sermon. What shall we do? Peter's reply spells out the route into the kingdom. Acts 2, 38 and 39. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise, talking about promises, this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. This is the route for everyone. 
made very clear. It would be very clear to all who are listening to Jesus as he told the story of the two sons that entering the kingdom of God required obedience to God our Father. The religious people of the day probably thought these things didn't apply. They thought maybe by doing religious duties, by learning the Torah, by fasting and praying, by meditation, even by enjoying a pseudo-spirituality that they could enter right into the kingdom of God. But that is not the way. How many people we know today who are looking for spirituality, but they're looking for experience rather than looking for Jesus? The world today wants a spirituality without Christ. And the only other spirituality without Christ comes from the pit of hell. You don't want that. I know a lady, she used to be part of a church I led, she did leave. But she she always encouraged people to sit in a circle and hold a stone each. And meditate for an hour, saying that they would find God in the stone. And I had to confront that. I had to confront that. There's an increasing fascination these days with anything that will give us experience. Spiritualists will tell you that God is in everything. Well, he's not. He's not. That's heresy. God is not in everything. And even in church circles, we can get ever so preoccupied by looking for experience, getting caught up in mysticism. Yes, the heavens declare his glory. Yes, all of creation reveal the greatness of our God. But it's not God. God's not in a stone. God's not in a tree. God's not in the grass. God's not in the sun and the moon and the stars. These are created things. God is not those things. We don't meditate and see if I can feel this and I'll find a vibration and, oh... That, that's, that's something else. If you're feeling a spiritual vibration from a stone, that's coming from hell. Seriously. How would it feel so nice? Does it? Well, it might feel good, but I tell you what, the devil comes as an angel of light to deceive many. And we are in great danger today of being deceived by pseudo-spirituality. By looking, even the church, looking for spiritual experience before we look for Christ. You know, there's moments when, oh, we're just people of the presence. Yeah, yeah, but just be careful what presence you're feeling. Because you feel something doesn't mean it's God. We're not a people of the presence, we are people of the sun. And we are filled with the presence. It's different. Now I can get myself into hot water here, but this is vitally important in these days vitally important it's very important that you know why you do what you do you need to have good doctrine you need to understand why you believe what you believe because what you believe will shape how you behave that's why I'm passionate about teaching that's why I'm passionate about preaching that's why I'm passionate about doing word plus and as we do that as we read the bible we confront the lies of the enemy called the doctrine of demons and I assure you the coming 
insidiously and they come in with nice experience. Not all experience is bad. What I'm saying is don't be seeking after experience, be seeking after God. We don't enter the kingdom by mysticism, by a moment. We enter the kingdom of God only through Jesus Christ. There's no other route and there never will be. The route begins by, by us facing the truth about our sin head on. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We love to say to people, God loves you. I need to tell you, he does. But your sin is an offense to him. God is totally offended by sin. Totally. Totally. He will not countenance sin. He won't allow sin in his presence. To get free from our sin, we start by choosing and saying, yeah, I am a sinner and I need to turn away from this. I make my choices. I choose to turn away. I might struggle. I might get it wrong, but I'm choosing a different way now. I need to have a new mindset. And then we put our trust in Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. Jesus died for the forgiveness of our sins. We can choose to turn away from our sin, but we can't forgive ourselves. We use the term sometimes, have you forgiven yourself? You know what, you can't forgive yourself. We can't make ourselves righteous in God's eyes. Only Jesus can do that, and we give testimony to the fact, to that fact by... The fact that we're putting our trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins by getting baptized in water. It's not so much an experience as a choice. I'm putting my trust in Christ. I believe what he did on Calvary. I believe what he did on the cross. I see that there is where my forgiveness lies. It's there. And so I put my trust in him and I choose to turn away from sin and a self-reliant lifestyle. I'm now going to rely on what Jesus has done and I get baptized in water. As I do that, I'm born again. I become a child of God. The Bible tells me I become a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. It's an act of faith before God. It has very little to do with how we feel and everything to do with obedience. I'm not saying emotions aren't involved because emotions are involved in everything we do. I don't know if you had any emotions when you woke up this morning. Like, oh, it's morning. How do you feel? Emotions touch every facet of our lives. But but the gospel is not emotionalism per se. It's truth. And so people react to it in different ways because we're all different. We all react to different emotions. But at the end of the day, the gospel stands. Jesus came. God loves the world. Jesus came. Jesus died on a cross for you and me. I choose to believe that. I choose to be baptized. I will follow him. That's where my security lies. It's an act of choice. It's wonderful. I do it in faith. And suddenly I'm born again. I'm brand new. I'm on a new adventure. It has everything to do with obedience. And to my final point, the kingdom entered... We're on the route to enter the kingdom, but we're not done yet. Back to Acts 2 again. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
As I was preparing for this morning, I felt as though God was beginning to open my eyes. It's like, I, I feel as I've gone on a journey with this, and it, it's rough, and it's ready, and it's not fully formed, but, but it's what you're getting. <laughs> okay, I may develop it some more, but it's opening my eyes to simple truths. See, the kingdom of God is where God rules and reigns. It's very simple. You can see where the kingdom is because God reigns there, God rules there, his will is done there. Very simple. When we repent and believe and put our trust in Jesus and get baptized, our sin is forgiven. We receive the righteousness of Christ. That means we are now children of God and God sees us hidden in his son. We we are, we're just like Jesus now before God. And so now because I've turned away from my sin, because my sin has been, uh, it's been paid for, I'm free and, and now I'm I've I've gone through the waters of baptism and I'm born again. I'm a new creation. And now the Father forever sees me like he sees Jesus. And that's true for every one of us who are born again. That's the truth. It's not an emotional experience or a warm fuzzy. It's the truth. It's what I stand on. It's what I stand on when I'm feeling holy. It's what I stand on when I'm feeling unholy. It's what I stand on when I'm feeling happy. It's what I stand on when I'm feeling sad. It's what I stand on on a good day and what I stand on on a bad day. The truth doesn't change. These are things that are important. Let me read to you from Romans 3 again, but this time verses 21 to 24. But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from, uh, from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. That's the gospel. I was separate from God. I'm lost. My life's going nowhere. I could be caught up in all sorts of sin. It's just, I, I am a sinner and I come to see that I'm a mess and I need saving. I come to see that this life's going nowhere and I hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I say, there's hope. There's a possibility. I will turn from my sin. I will get baptized because I'm going to put my trust in this one called Jesus. I just choice. I do it. And as I do that, I'm made brand new and I'm clothed to the righteousness of Christ. I have a new identity now before God forever. This is the stuff that got me so excited when I saw it in my early 20s. Do you get excited about this? No. Oh, God. See, this is what you stand on. This is where you stand. I'm going to write a little book, I think. (laughs) It's a weird... Learning to sit. Learning to stand. Learning to talk. Learning to listen. Learning to walk. Learning to run. As a Christian. Simple truths that we stand on. That shape our destiny. Sets you free, this stuff. As far as I can see, 
This is for everybody. Everything I see, this is for all who would believe. There's one more bit. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. One or two people after last Sunday morning were asking for clarification, saying, surely you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit before you get baptized in water, because it says, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's the root, that's the clear root. And people are saying, well, surely you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit before you get baptized in water. And yes, you can. Because God is looking for faith, not formula. Okay? God's always looking for faith. He responds to faith, not formula. And yes, in Acts 10.44, while Peter is preaching to the Gentiles in Cornelius' house, we read this. While Peter was still speaking... These words, the Holy Spirit, came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized in water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. As I say, as far as I can see, that this, for me, is the exception rather than the rule. Okay? It, it happened to show that Peter and the believers with him, that the root into the kingdom was for the Gentiles as well as the Jews. You see, what, what Peter would have done is taken, taken these Gentile believers and made them Jews before they could actually be baptized. And God said, blow that for a game of soldiers. And he just went, Poosh! And Peter had to change his theology and understand that this was for the whole world, for all who'd put their trust in Christ. But it's important that you notice that the very first thing they did after they were filled with the Holy Spirit was get them baptized in water. So yes, there are exceptions, but I'm increasingly of the mind that the normal route into God's kingdom is what Peter says in Acts 2. Repent, be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the, forgiveness, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. That's a promise. That's a promise. So often we separate baptism and water from baptism and the Holy Spirit. And it's not right. In the early days in our church, church planting, when we were in, in Milton Keynes, people would go through, we had a, a sheep dip. It was a, an, an old Baptist church we'd been given. It was great, and we did it all up. And it was a huge sheep dip. I mean, steps in and steps out. You could get about six people in the thing, which was great. And, and people would go in, and then they'd get baptized. And then we would pray for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then it usually took six people to get them out of the water, because they were like, <laughs> Because being filled with the Holy Spirit is part of the promise. Do you, do you see where I'm coming from? This is the normal route. This is the way we enter the kingdom. It's my contention that we've not fully entered into the kingdom of God until we are filled with the person of the Holy Spirit. 
We enter the kingdom through faith in Jesus. We live under his rule and reign. But as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, so the spirit of the king of the kingdom enters us and comes to dwell in us. God does not live in stone, but God does live in you and me. He inhabits us. We are his dwelling place on the earth. We are to be filled to overflowing with him, with the Holy Spirit. And so we enter the kingdom, but the kingdom enters us. Do you see? Jesus said the kingdom of God is amongst you, is in you. And so the rule and reign of God is here because it's demonstrated in and through our lives. It's where the kingdom is. It's demonstrated through obedience. It's demonstrated through power. It's demonstrated through our authority. Don't you think that's exciting? Yes, Paul, you're going to finish soon. If we understood... If we could grasp this, Jesus just didn't come just so that we could have our sins forgiven. Jesus came so that the Father could have a people who were the dwelling place of God on the earth. So that would be a people of God who would demonstrate his rule and his reign with his power and with his his authority so we can I was going to say cast out demons, sorry that. So we can cast out demons, so that we can heal the sick, so we can even raise the dead, and we can come in, and we can cast out money changers, we can change society because we have the authority of the king. That's our inheritance. That's what it means to fully enter the kingdom. So is the kingdom of God here? It's in my heart. But that's demonstrated by obedience. It's demonstrated. It's fine, easy. Words are cheap, you see. But the kingdom of God in my heart means I will seek to serve him. He's the number one boss. He's the boss of my life. As as Watchman Lee put it, he's the resident boss. Typical Chinese, resident boss. And so my life, my whole existence is for his glory. And he says, now I want to give you good things and blessing, but you live for his glory and his honor. You are full, you are the dwelling place of God. And I give you the power of the kingdom and the authority of the kingdom. Now, where's the kingdom of God? It's right here in the church. What are the church going to do about Teesside then? It's great, isn't it? Exciting in theory. And then you look at yourself and go, ooh. Remember last week when I preached, Jesus says to these guys, these disciples who are all broken, all broken, as the Father sent me, so I send you. We're all broken. But we have in us the King of the Kingdom. We have His power, we have His authority. How wonderful it is to walk with God. How wonderful it is to have an inheritance that can never fail or spoil. How wonderful it is to know we can go into any setting and make a real difference. Don't you think? How wonderful it is. Come on, let's stand before God. Let's start to thank him. Let's start to thank him. I will give an opportunity for people to be prayed for in a bit. But to be honest, it's not about... What I don't want is a few people at the front and everybody else waiting until they're being prayed for. This is for the church. This is for the church. Can I say, if you're not baptized in water, well, I've said it this morning, that's the route for you. Don't bypass it. That's the route for you. It's called obedience. It's saying yes to God. Maybe you're here and you think, well, I don't even know if I believe this. I tell you, Jesus is the answer for you today. 
If you want to come and explore that, if you want to be prayed for, if you want to say yes to Jesus, Lord, I want to turn from my sin, you can do that today. We have baptisms on the 3rd of March. Is that a couple of weeks' time? Three weeks' time. Three weeks' time. You can be baptized then. The root is here, but the important issue is this. And you will be filled. And you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's raise our hands again, shall we, like we did last week. Fill us, Lord, please. Jesus, I declare you as king of our lives. I declare you as the Lord of of all. You are the one. You are the reason for everything for us. You, You are the one who's given us life and hope and meaning. You're the one we worship. You're the one we delight in. You're the one that the father looks at and says, I'm proud of my son. He's the victor. He's done it. Oh, Lord, thank you that you are pouring out your spirit. He's poured out and continually poured out on the earth. And so Joel says, and your sons and daughters, will prophesy. Now, Lord, we are people of the Spirit. It wasn't just to have our sins forgiven. It was to be the dwelling place of God and be full of the Holy Spirit so we could live out the, the kingdom life in, on this, in this world. Lord, right now we say, fill us again, please. Fill us again. 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 Oh, Rather than have you out the front, I'm just going to walk up and it sounds a bit silly. I'm just going to walk up and down every row, uh, the aisles. I mean, just God, fill fill each row, fill them, fill them, fill them, fill them. Be filled with God. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled. This is for you. This is the root. Be filled. No half measures, Lord. We want our full inheritance. Be filled. Young guys, come on, this is for you. There's a destiny here. Be filled. Be filled. Be filled with God. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Oh, wow. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled. Be filled. Be filled. Be filled. Wow. Be filled. And the sound guys, be filled. Fresh, be filled. See, this is this, this is for everything. Be filled. Be filled, Jonathan. I'm not coming over, but be filled. Be filled. Be filled. Be filled with God. Be filled. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This is the root. There's a kingdom here. Thank you. We received the kingdom. We've entered in, but be filled with the Spirit. Know His authority, His power. Be filled. Wow. Be filled. Be filled. Be filled. Fresh and filling for us all. Fresh and filling. Thank you, Lord. Fresh. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. This, this, we, we're people of the promise. We thank you. This is the promise, and we will receive. We gladly welcome you, Holy Spirit. We gladly welcome you into our lives. We gladly welcome you with all your gifts and with all the power, with all your love, with all your compassion, with all the beauty of the Godhead. We welcome you into our lives, into our homes, into our spheres of influence, wherever we find ourselves. Come, Lord. We let your kingdom come. Our prayer is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done in Teesside, in Africa, in all the nations of the world. Thank you, Lord. This is the truth. (coughs) This is truth. We stand here on this, not, not emotionalism. 
Not warm, fuzzy experiences. All of those may have their place, but God, thank you. We stand in the cold light of day in the truth of Jesus Christ, of who we are in him, and the promises of God that we will receive, and we do gladly receive the Holy Spirit. Now I would encourage you to go home and to say, God, would you fill me more? I want to know more about the gifts and the empowerment of the Spirit. I want you to, I want to learn to live in the Spirit and to communicate with you. This is not just a quick moment. This isn't just about being able to contribute on a Sunday. This is about living in the power of God. This is the kingdom. Receive, 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 receive. There's more. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's no lack. There's always more where that came from. Thank you, Lord. You're a God of abundance. Thank you, the God of abundance. We just say, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And it's true whether we feel good or feel bad. It's, it's true when we're struggling and it's true when we're in victory. It's true. It's true. It's true. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the clear route you lay before us into your kingdom to be people of the kingdom. We gladly are obedient to it. We gladly walk the route and want to point others in the same direction. If the band would come back, please.